Hello everyone, Dr. Maria Sampalis, and today I have Brittany Harrison from um, Vision Web. She's director of RCM operations and is a subject matter expert. So I wanted to have her on and talk about medical billing because in the Facebook group, there's a lot of information, a lot of questions about medical billing, and it's a great way to, to build your practice, especially now with um, increase in vision plans and decreased reimbursements. Medical billing is, is really where it's at. And she brings a wealth of knowledge uh, on the subject. So thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today, Brittany. Thank you. It's my pleasure. I'm really excited. Yeah. Um, so just, let's just dive right in and and and, and discuss the, you know medical billing challenges. So when it comes to medical billing and eye care, what do you think uh, isn't really well communicated um, to the community? I think there's a lot of gaps in the community. Uh, some of the things that we see the most is what should I bill? Um, you know, CMS changes in the last year have worked in the favor of the OD. Um, the change, the guideline changes that they released for E&M codes, a lot of providers haven't been aware that the time requirements changed. Uh, so they can, instead of billing 9-2 intermediate codes, can bill 9-9 codes. And those 9-9 codes um, start from the moment the doctor starts reviewing the tech information that they gather during the workup, when they order medications, when they order testing, if they're doing referrals. So those little pieces um, actually increase the exam time. And CMS has made it to where you can be reimbursed for your time, which is something that we've seen the entire community struggle with. Uh, so having the opportunity to use 9-9 codes that are really more important and have a higher reimbursement rate is a huge plus for medical billing. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's 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 the best way to increase revenue is medical billing. You know, I think I, I did a, an article in the past on it for ROB and reimbursements for, you know, routine exams is average is between 60 to 80, where medical is about 200. And just even besides that, just the patient retention, patients keep coming back. It's it's a great way to build a practice too. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And we encounter even even on our own team, you know, you've got an eye problem and people automatically want to go to primary care, but they need to see the specialist. Um, so it, it gives you another opportunity to capture a larger patient base. You might see them for a medical issue and then you've got them for routine exams. Um, so there's a lot of partnership there too with your patients. It's true. Yeah. And we need to educate what we can do. We have the education. We have the scope a lot in practice and in different states. I mean, we need to practice to our full scope. And and just even looking at business metrics in the industry, I think 7% of revenue comes from medical billing in, in a regular optometry practice. That's a great way to really increase uh, revenue in your practice. Absolutely. Um, and in, in what ways do ODs themselves like really trip themselves up when trying to implement medical billing in their practices? Yeah, it, one of the biggest obstacles I think ODs face when they're trying to implement medical billing um, is understanding the guidelines of their payers. Where, you know, you're credentialed with all kinds of different payers, but they don't all follow the same rules. Some have different levels of uh, frequency for that you can do testing. Um, they are really sometimes picky about what they do cover for their patients. Uh, so it's really important to understand what is allowed and what isn't allowed per the payer that you are contracted with to make sure you're not having to write off balances. 
Um, another huge obstacle really is the importance of daily insurance verification for your patients, especially if you are rolling over into a new month to make sure that that patient's still covered. Um, that one big thing that we run into a lot is, does that patient actually have an HMO plan? And were you supposed to get prior authorization before you saw them? Those are, have become very popular, especially after the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, it, do they have Cigna Medical or is it actually Cigna Vision and they have a different medical? A lot of times our patients aren't sure and we have to do the legwork there. Do they have multiple payers? You know, do they have coordination of benefits? Uh, are you billing the right payer first? So starting step one, eligibility and benefits and getting the right information from your patients is, is the most important piece. Yes, I agree. You know, when I started medical billing in my practice, I educated myself. So the doctor, uh, office manager need to be on, on target. And then you need to have a protocol. You need to have a game plan. So when someone comes in, you kind of know, let's say, if it's Aetna here in Rhode Island, right now it's IMED, you know, so you know both or you could, you could figure it out. And you need to, you know, have those in, uh, protocols in the office and so that the front desk knows that. So there's no bottlenecks too when they come upstairs. But also, uh, you know, at the time of visit, you know, the pay, when the, they make the appointment, they know whether it's medical or, or routine, the front desk, so they can explain that to the patient. So you're not wasting time doing that um, in, in your office uh, at, when at you increase your chair time. Um, you know, once you get over that hump and you start billing cataracts, floaters, glaucoma, it comes a lot easier to bill. But I think there are some difficult um, medical claims to file. Can you just tell us a little bit about that and how some doctors can overcome you know, some of those issues, amniotic membranes and, and cataract yeah. for management. Yeah, and amniotic yeah. membranes are some of the best paying claims that you can submit. So making sure that you're sending them out clean the first time is incredibly important. Um, we run into a lot of issues with dry eye testing. A lot of payers have very different guidelines on how they want those claims submitted. Um, sometimes it's just trial and error. Sometimes they're very clear on what they want if you're lucky enough to, to get some instruction. Um, but it, uh, what we run into a lot, uh, you want to make sure that you've, you're coding um, and you're not using unspecified diagnosis codes and that you're coding to the highest level of specificity. Um, making sure that you've got your anatomical indicators in your diagnosis codes, making sure that you are coding the stage if it's glaucoma or macular degeneration. Taking those very detailed eyes to your claims can get you paid right the first time, which is all we really want. Um, making sure that if you are doing uh, testing or some sort of procedure that's within your scope of care, what modifiers are needed? Um, amniotic membranes, you can have everything right, but if they want an RT or an LT modifier and it's not on the claim, you're submitting it twice. And that can be, you know, a thousand dollars outstanding that you want to get back into your practice very quickly. Um, so it can take a lot of research, and but it's really necessary to make sure that you're not getting claim denials and that you keep your aging clean. That's correct. So you need to, doctors need to educate themselves. I mean, there's great videos like this. There's a lot of information in the industry to help. Um, so we started building amniotic membranes and it really helps patients, but we have the protocols and know what the next step is and know how to bill. We'll try to get authorization ahead of time to make sure. And, and the other thing that we've done, too, is medically necessary contact lenses, and these vision plans pay for that as well. So it's just really educating yourself, you're practicing the latest, you know, and, and 
you're helping your patients and you're helping your practice too. I mean, as you get more comfortable with these things, it's less chair time. You become an expert on it. You get more, you get more comfortable with it. So, um, you know, medical billing is, is really the future of optometry. Um, you know, as, 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 you know, we start doing more claims, we'll probably get some denials. What are some things that, you know, when scrubbing through claims, what are some things that, you know, doctors should look out for? You want to look for those diagnoses, uh, making sure that you've got, you know, if it's right eye or left eye, you, you're not leaving it to chance and saying it was one eye. I just don't know which one. Um, you also want to make sure that you are aware of what the frequency of that testing is. Um, a part of patient care is their finances. And if you bring a patient back before their insurance is going to cover a follow-up for photos or OCTs, um, and they're going to end up having to pay out of pocket for that, knowing if you are meeting the guidelines for that frequency compared to their last exam. Um, one thing we see a lot is knowing whether or not your patient is new or established, especially if you're opening a new practice or really just starting to move into medical billing. Um, you might have never seen them for a medical issue before, but understanding the guidelines that that patient is established because they've seen you before. Um, little things, little quirks, making sure if it's Blue Cross Blue Shield, you've got the alpha prefix on the claim, making sure that you're accepting assignments so that the patient doesn't get paid. When you're scrubbing those claims, it makes your, your life a lot easier to just check off each box and, and make sure that what you're submitting is going to come back paid. No, that's correct. I mean, those are things that you kind of learn as you go along and and you need little things that make errors that make big uh, issues for your practice and just getting paid on time and just kind of like moving on to the next claims. I mean, those, those are so important. You know, some of the doctors that I've talked to in the industry, you know, some insurances are tougher than others on getting reimbursed or, you know, denials and things like that. For me here in Rhode Island, it seems like Blue Cross and Medicare take turns. Uh, one month, it's all Medicare denials, and we have to resubmit. We get magically get paid. There's no issues. Another month, it might be Blue Cross. What What has been the tricky ones in the industry that, from your opinion? Well, Anthem and Blue Cross Blue Shield is probably right on the top of our list. Um, one of the things that we've really seen become an issue in the last few years are the increase of managed care organizations under state Medicaid plans. Um, if you're taking Medicaid in your practice, the states keep changing who they're working with. Uh, sometimes you're kind of aware and sometimes it blindsides you. I see it a lot on Facebook of, you know, we take this payer who who's processing the claim now. Um, so it, that's been one of the trickiest is almost every state has really moved to the managed care model. Uh, and the managed care plans themselves don't typically process any of the claims. Um, yeah. For example, United Healthcare Community, uh, they have a Medicaid plan. All of your claims as an OD get filed to March Vision, um, which is surprising. When you hear March Vision, most people think, well, okay, that's for my vision claim. Uh, but they've now expanded it to scope of care where you file medical and vision to mm -hmm. that, that third-party vision vendor. Um, so that's been a, a really tricky one that we've encountered. And then Anthem and Blue Cross Blue Shield, uh, you know, a few years back, Anthem changed their timely filing limit to 180 days to 90 days. So they've given you even less time to make sure that you're getting your claim out of the door. We saw a lot of issues with that as providers were coming back in from, from the shutdowns and trying to restaff their office of making sure their claim was good to go in three months. Um, they're also very specific about their 
diagnosis codes. Uh, if it's not on their master list, there's no wiggle room. Um, and then we've seen a lot of coordination of care issues come through with their plans where six months later, they're saying, no, that patient had another insurance. And you're trying to figure out where you might have missed that, but you didn't. It just kind of showed up and they're taking their claim back. Yeah, there a lot of doctors are, are complaining about, you know, I, I got something like three years ago, they want money back. They overpaid me, you know, and it's frustrating. And and, and staffing issues now are, are a big deal in practices. And, you know, some practices do it in-house or some don't want to start medical billing. It's hard. They, they just don't have the, you know, the staff. So some of the resources, there might be some resources out there that they can outsource some of their billing. Can you give us some information on that and, and what doctors should look for? Yeah, if you're looking to outsource your billing, um, I think the most important thing that you want to look for is finding a partner who is as focused on your success as you are. Uh, you know, it's it's very easy to to keep it all inside your practice. You've got better oversight, so having that trust is incredibly important to outsource. You have to trust that everyone has your best interest at heart. So I think finding the right partnership is incredibly important. You also want to look at what kind of training and education might be offered. Um, you know, if your staff is, is needing assistance in learning more about a payer or a procedure or a test, what kind of information can you guys give us to make sure that we're sending those claims out the first time? Um, certifications, I think, are very important. Do you have certified para-optometric coders? Do you have certified professional coders that are looking over my claims? And then what time of experience does my biller have? Um, at VisionWeb, our RCM team, we have a, a fully remote team. We're incredibly lucky that we can dip into talent from across the United States. We have account reps in 13 different states. Um, and what's that? What that really has given us is a lot more brain power. Um, we, you know, sometimes you get an account and they're in a state that you've never personally built in, and you can rely on other people to help build up your knowledge and make you stronger. Um, we've got accounts coast to coast, and sometimes it's just there's a rotation, or we've got a lot of accounts coming on, and. When I first started, I got an office in Ohio and I live in Texas, so I had to learn a lot very quickly. But learning that has given me so much insight into other payers, different regions and different states. Yeah, I think that's all important because like, you know what's going on in one state and they can change things in the future. And then you're the expert in the industry, right? So we can just doctor could just call you and say, hey, and you and you know already. Right. So the doctors have to take the, the time to do yeah, the research. Absolutely. We're, we're usually a few steps ahead, um, which is great because we see something happen in one state and it starts to happen in another. Um, right. And we've got such great communication amongst our team members that as soon as we see something that seems off, everybody's raising their hand, like, tell me more. So I'm prepared. Yeah. So I, I know vision, I know you're going to uh, vision web uh, vision web is going and you're going to, you know, vision expo next week in Vegas. I'm going, I'm super excited. Um, I've been a few times now, but every time I go, I look for the latest, greatest. I, I like to meet people that, you know, I work with in the industry and, um, you know, for someone that's going to the show and they're looking for outsourced billing, um, what, what do you recommend for them to look for in a service provider? 
In a provider, um, you want to make sure that everything's kind of outlined, the expectations, um, what you should be, once your services get started, how are our interactions going to be? What's our day-to-day going to look like? Um, are you going to update me weekly? Do I get something monthly? Um, what are the parameters of of what your services cover. That's really important um, because you want to make sure that you're going with a partner that really offers the services that you need. So if you are going with someone and you really need patient statements, but it's not something that they offer, it might not be the best fit because you need a full circle uh, to make your revenue stronger, whether it's insurance revenue or patient revenue. Um, so asking and making sure those clear, those standards are set of what I can expect every day, every month, um, you know, do you work on my account every day? Is it just one person? Am I working with multiple people? Um, those little pieces are really important. When can I talk to someone? You know, am I able to pick up the phone and call? Uh, is it going to be easier to talk with them, you know, at specific times? Is Does the person work my hours or do they work, you know, hours that work for them? Um, finding what you feel is best for your business model is is the best way to find that partner. No, that's correct. And then you, you got to be able to vibe with that person, right? They got to have the same person. They got to, you know, if you're energetic and you need an answer tomorrow, they get it for you, right? If you Absolutely. lay back, you know, that's fine. I mean, you want people that are working for you to you know, help you be successful so they can get more work too. I mean, and customer service is very important. Um, when I, you know, introduce a new vendor into my practice, I want to make sure they are available. That if I have a question, because there will be a lot of uplift in the practice at the beginning, that someone's around and they have my best interest in my practice to help me grow because ultimately it helps them grow too. Definitely. So I want to thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on to the podcast today and talking about medical billing. It is so important out there in the industry. There's so much information, so many questions, and I think that's the future of optometry. If someone has a question about it, uh, can you provide your email where they can reach to you or our website that they can reach out and, and get more information? Yeah, absolutely. So my email is bharrison at visionweb.com and you can check us out at visionweb.com. Uh, we have a lot of resources available on our website and can get you connected directly to our sales team if you have any questions. Yeah, so if anyone's going to Expo 2, check out the booth. They've usually put a pretty uh, big booth, so it's hard to miss. You get a lot of information. There, you know, There's a lot of experts in the industry on these things, and it really help your practice grow. And I know in corporate optometry, it is a way to really uh, advance your practice and build it because we don't sell glasses and a lot of materials. And, and, and to be honest, that's how I grew my practice over the years, and patients followed me. And, um, you know, and you provide good care, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and we will be at booth F16086. All right. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Bye, everyone.